0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 46 of the Lukewarm Games podcast, your weekly source for unique perspectives on all things video games and pop culture. As always, I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and I am joined by the concussion conqueror of Animal <laughs> Crossing, Claire Helmberger.
1: What's up, everybody? How you doing? I am doing a lot better. Thank you for asking.
0: <laughs> your moniker this week foreshadows, well, I guess not foreshadows because it already happened, it but... It just,
1: like, reflects. It
0: reflects... We've been absent on your podcast feeds the past couple weeks, and that was because Claire had a concussion and needed some good old recovery time. Yes. So we stepped back for a little bit. Um, we were saying this on our Patreon show yesterday, but big thank you to fans and friends of the show that reached out to send their well wishes for recovery and support. And Yes, thank you so much. It was just really nice to see. It was. And, um... I super like, happy you're feeling better yeah. and do you want to talk a little bit about just how you're doing and
1: S- sure feeling? i i just want to say that it really made me feel like i had permission to just take care yeah. of myself um all the support online so i really appreciate all of it thank you thank you so much for your kind words and your and your compassion and your care it meant a lot um i'm doing a lot better the first couple the first like week i i would say or week and a half were pretty iffy Um, and it was also the busiest week of the school year probably so far, or at least in a couple months. You were already,
0: like, balls to the walls working constantly. And I had to
1: take a huge step back, but I still wasn't able to fully step away, and I had to let a lot of things go, um, professionally, which wasn't a fun thing to do, but it had to happen, um, and yeah, I really just, I needed that time, so I'm doing a lot better now thanks to, thanks to you taking good care of me and reminding me to um take care of myself too and not overdo it so well wouldn't be here without you babe
0: i and the listeners are just glad you're okay and everything <laughs> me too feeling better again and you're you're back to normal you're playing video games you can look at screens again <laughs> that was a weird like week or so where it was that like was you fun. couldn't watch tv or play video games
1: right um
0: but yeah i'm like i said i'm just really really, really thankful you're doing better um with that though, I I originally thought about because I knew we were gonna have to take a couple weeks off, and I thought about calling in some guests like I had in the past, but I opted not to do that just because all these episodes we had leading up to E3 I felt like were very Claire centered based on games you've been had been playing before the concussion and th- articles you'd been reading and like you did a lot of preparation for these episodes, so I right. didn't want to not record these episodes. So um, I wanted to kick things off with We've Got the News, our weekly news discussion of what's been going on in the games industry from the past week, and with this one, we're reaching a bit farther back than a week because I think there were some important events and topics that happened during our little break um, yeah. that I think are still r- well worth covering on the show, Absolutely. and the big one stemmed around the recent events in Palestine. Um at this point, I think everyone's pretty familiar around the heinous events that have been taking place in Palestine for years, but also more recently, the attacks that have been going on. Um, a lot of innocent lives have been lost in just horrible ways. And I wanted to talk about how this relates to the games industry, because I think it's incredibly important to discuss. And as we've said with movements like the Black Lives Matter movement and Stop Asian Hate. Um, Lukewarm Games is a place where we want to use our platform for positivity and we want to uplift unique voices and we want to support people who need our support and deserve our support. And in this case, I think this cause really falls into that.
1: Well, and it's important to not remain silent on big issues that affect the world. Because we are part of the world. Yeah,
0: and so I wanted to have um, kind of a, I don't want to say a more intellectual discussion than what we usually do, because I think we have intellectual discussions, but I wanted to talk about a kind of a serious topic for a minute within the games industry. So this all stems around um, an incident with IGN involving Palestine and kind of the coverage in games media of the events happening in the Middle East. Um, so I wanted to pull from an article by Steven Storm over at FanBite Media inside IGN's battle for editorial independence. So I'll just read a little bit of this just to give listeners some context if they're not familiar, and then we'll discuss a little bit. IGN, one of the largest websites dedicated to covering video games, news, and reviews, underwent a very public scandal this month. The trouble began when the site's parent company, J2 Global, seemingly removed an article on the site titled, How to Help Palestine... Palestinian citizens, which acted as a call to readers for humanitarian aid, all without editorial input or authorization. Unfortunately, the situation only appears to be growing more complicated and intense. This action was seen as a major step over the boundary between corporate ownership and editorial independence traditionally expected in free journalism, and indeed necessary for its continued credibility. Certainly several dozen IGN Staffers thought so. Two days after the article was removed, 82 out of 238 IGN employees signed a public statement to express their disapproval and plead their case for common editorial independence. The whole thing is worth reading, but the centerpiece was that the parent company shouldn't be able to unilaterally remove content created and endorsed by the editorial wing. Roughly a day after the reaction, things were looking up. Multiple sources with the IGN who wished to remain anonymous for fear of reprisal tell fan by that chief content officer and site co-founder. Per Schneider assured staff that corporate was listening. The proper people had supposedly seen the complaints and were open to a discussion. The mood turned tenuous but optimistic given Schneider's comments. The letter of disapproval originally set a date for may 21st 2021 to hold said discussion between all involved parties schneider told editors they would at least be included in those conversations the reverse now appears to be true during the week schneider backtracked his earlier statements internally suddenly placing all of the blame for the original article's removal and the ensuing falling out on himself if that were true it would make the issue an entirely editorial matter magically absolving j2 global and ziff davis of the corporate interface of which they were interference of which they were accused our sources maintain the version of events was a very sudden change in narrative one described it as schneider falling on the sword up until that point just a few days ago the chief content officer never named himself or any editor as the source of the original discussion now morale is at an all-time low following an all-hands meeting attended by ziff davis's president steve horowitz The executive described the issue as a purely IGN editorial problem, which IGN, and by extension, not its parent company, would clean up itself. Horowitz further attempted to pit employees against each other by asserting several people who had signed the open letter were coerced or tricked into doing so. Though he did not provide any evidence of that claim, he did, however, point to the number of employees who did not sign the letter as proof that most of the company did not support it. Another possibility, of course, it is that some avoided it out of fear of retaliation. Okay, so a lot to unpack there. Um, there's a lot of discussion within this about free journalism, what editorial teams should be able to say mm-hmm. and do. Um, my initial take, and I want to get your thoughts as well, are just mind-blown. I was incredibly surprised by all of this um especially in recent months where ign i feel like has taken off their corporate mask a little bit more Mm -hmm. and been active in things like black lives matter they've had massive streams for stop asian hate campaigns and things like that they've allowed um initiatives of more guests with people of color on their podcasts and like some intentional efforts have been made over there i feel like to be more diverse and more um open and part of the conversations that need to take place within racial equity and that kind of social justice work so i was really surprised at this i was also really surprised because when i saw the original article calling for humanitarian aid for palestine they weren't saying like Anyone who supports Israel is wrong. Palestine is the only way to go. It was literally it was, yeah, it just wasn't offering support. it was
1: Palestine, not Israel. It was just like, su- support Palestine.
0: Because people are dying and kids are dying and families are losing their homes and they need support. That's right. literally all it was. And so I think...
1: Well, also the fact of the matter is at the time that this was happening... Um, there were casualties on both sides, but right. it was significantly worse for the Palestinians. They were in far more need of aid than Israel was at the time. So people were saying, Let's help the you know, many right. children are dead, many are many, many are injured. There were fewer casualties on the Israel side. So I think
0: the there was the Palestine versus aid. Israel conflict is a very complicated it's one. It's a very complicated issue. And but I think this situation boils down it's not complicated in a sense that supporting Humanitarian efforts people, to help yeah, people
1: should not. It's not be, a gray area.
0: Right. It's this is very black and white in that sense, and that's what really frustrated me with this situation. What did you make of all of this?
1: My initial reaction was not one of surprise, um, but mm-hmm. one of disappointment, and I, I guess i we've just seen um, time and again with media outlets where they're just unable to voice their support for palestine no matter how the actual journalists may feel um because of these issues with parent companies and with politics and with it's such a touchy subject people can't even you know say israel and palestine without you know maybe losing their jobs if right. they, especially for like the on-air and tv anchors and stuff um We see you just you see a lot of touchiness and a lot of people in politics, politicians who voice support for Palestine get called anti-Semitic all the time. Right. Um. And it's just, it's a really complicated issue. Um. That is also just like, so often there's a chokehold. I feel Mm -hmm. like on journalists, and there is. There's just so much silence around it. Um, and it's hard to have an actual discussion about it because people just shut that shut that right. down. Especially people at the higher level who... Um, and not to get, like, really um, deep into it or anything. But when we... Well, when go we, for
0: it. Say what you're when thinking. We,
1: when we start looking at the, the macro of the subject and we start looking at, you know, who owns IGN but also who owns, you know... The major news outlets and who these giant corporations, right, who stand a lot to lose from um, things changing politically with the United States' stance in the Middle East because there are a lot of people who make a lot of money from the way things are currently yeah.
0: at play. Well, and East. specifically to tie that back to IGN, IGN has an office in Israel. Mm-hmm. Like, they have an IGN Israel office. Um, I don't know to what extent that office is publishing, like, editorial content. I'm not really familiar with um, what they do. Yeah. Just because we live in the U.S. and that's kind of the IGN that I know and follow. Right. Um But I know IGN parent companies did use that as, like, a... We can't we have to do this because their... we have to protect Israel. Yeah. We have to protect IGN Israel employees. Like, we have to think about everyone involved in the situation. And it just felt like a very, like, um, when people say all lives matter in response yeah. to Black Lives Matter, it's like you don't seem to get the point of right. this movement. It's not that all lives don't matter, but...
1: All lives don't matter until Black Lives Matter. All
0: lives don't... Yeah, all lives don't matter equally currently, so that's why we're having this discussion and this movement and this... You know, call for action and change. So, right. it just felt very detached. And going off of what you said, I was just super disappointed. Yeah, and I had hoped IGN was better than this. And I think a lot of the employees that signed that letter
1: had that had
0: hoped help. IGN was better yeah. than this as well. And I definitely agree with Stephen, the writer of the article from Fanbyte that we were reading from. That I I assume a lot of employees wanted to sign the letter, but were worried about retaliation of losing their job.
1: Right, it's such a it's such a complicated issue, and I think I was I was slightly encouraged when I saw that call for humanitarian that aid that they put it up in the first place. Yeah, and like when Kind of Funny had their stream and everything, um, people were actually voicing support for Palestine, right. which we just we really don't see that mainstream happening very often at yeah. all. I want to um, give a shout
0: out to. Um, Tamar Hussein, who is a managing editor at GameSpot, who put out a YouTube video very, I would say at the start of all of this being relevant in the games industry, this Mm -hmm. discussion specifically. And he just gave a very informative look. He talked a lot about the issues. He talked a lot about what's been going on in the Middle East, brief history. And I think that got a lot of people's attention. I know Mm -hmm. that was the first time I had... I mean, I was aware of the conflict, but that was the first time I was like, "This is as big of an issue as these other causes that I actively am supporting." Right. Like, I need to be more well-read on this. I went and read a bunch. I went and listened to a bunch of different perspectives on the issue, and I just want to shout out him for kind of sparking a lot of discussion in the games industry right. around Palestine, which yeah. I think is really important. It's
1: super important. Um, and i I think i I think what happened was. We saw in this past year, we saw a push into the mainstream of a variety of important causes. I'm thinking most specifically about Black Lives Matter where Mm -hmm. a few years ago, um, like two or three even years ago, people who aligned themselves with the Black Lives Matter movement were in the minority. And like corporations weren't saying Black Lives Matter because there was so much backlash and celebrities weren't putting, you know things on their social media because of the backlash and it was just it was a lot more controversial and then last june it just wasn't anymore i think we all collectively decided not all of us obviously there are still people who but i think the majority of people got really on board with the black lives matter movement last i think people june. are
0: more used to speaking up now right and, and now it became yeah. and it
1: it became a mainstream thing and we started to see cor- corporations voicing their support for the movement and it became more now it's more controversial to not say that black lives matter or to say that all Lives matter is like something that will get a celebrity you know blacklisted instead of the reverse being true a few years ago and so i i bet what what happened here is that people and this has been happening with other social movements too people are saying all right it seems like we're finally reaching a point where we can voice our opinions about social issues mm-hmm. and we can all come together on the idea of helping people who are being oppressed. Right. Um. But this is just such a complicated issue that I think people weren't expecting the extent to which they know there are still, especially at the corporate level, there are still interests in keeping this keeping the support for palestine a, a minority issue and an unvoiced issue right. in mainstream discourse political discourse and especially with like non-political journal, journalist outlets which i would argue ign is i mean everything is political but they're not the washington post you know no um yeah and so that's why i think i think a lot of us were hopeful to see that first happening the support first being voiced and then i think we're very disappointed to see that it doesn't look like we're quite there yet
0: it's also worth noting too that this didn't just happen at ign i know game informer voiced similar Mm -hmm. humanitarian effort resources for palestine on their website and it was also pulled by their parent company yeah in this case GameStop. um And this kind of happened all around the same time, but it felt more oppressive. I I, I think the IGN one was first, so that made more of the story. And I think on such a larger scale, because I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the IGN article was published as, like, by staff. Mm -hmm. Like, there wasn't a single writer that took the byline because they were saying, like, we all are signing off on this being there kind of thing. And yeah, I just hope that eventually these big corporate entities have more of a free editorial voice, truly. Yeah. And I think from their perspective, I really feel like they should see that as long as they're being fair and reasonable in their coverage Mm -hmm. and reporting fact and Giving resources and, and giving information. Yeah, like, they're, ju- they're just putting resources out there. They're not saying you have to do anything. They weren't even voicing support
1: for one side or another. No, they were, they just were literally, saying, here are
0: resources if you want to help. That's the the most frustrating part of it to me. And
1: it wasn't about, like, sign a petition about why the United States military has to do X, Y, or Z in yeah. response to this. Like, it wasn't It wasn't an action that could hurt anybody. Right. It was only an action that could help
0: Yeah, and I think about myself as someone who wants to break into the games industry professionally and, like, hypothetically would love to work at at IGN or Game Informer as a host or producer or writer of some Mm -hmm. nature, and the fact is, things like this definitely, like, taint that a little bit to the point where, like, I know those editorial teams are fantastic, and I know what those editorial teams want to stand for and what they believe, but... Whether they're they'll be allowed to do that in the same way that like we're we have an independent podcast right now, you know what I mean? Right. This is our product, and we can
1: we can decide what say, to say what we
0: want, and we can use our platform how we want. And there's something something to be said for
1: yeah, definitely
0: that content content creator space right now that can drive discussion and drive right you know calls for action for just causes. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: And I think this is a really big and important topic about, you know, free journalism and journalists being able to do their own research, form their own opinions and present information in an uncensored way to the public as long as it's fact based. Because what we have seen a lot recently is we have often very conservative, large corporations who own most media outlets, especially like print journalism. Um, And, you know, like even local news stations are mostly owned by big corporations um, because there's no way for them to survive without that financial support in this, you know, current economy, the way we have, you know, set up and especially um, outlets that want people to access their programming for free um, or for, um, you know, like local news stations. Obviously, they're getting... They're getting advertisement revenue, but not very much. Sure. Um, and so there's this issue of we can't right now have actual free journalists because they they need money to function. Um, and if you are interested in this topic, listeners, uh, a couple years ago, I think maybe two years ago, John Oliver's show did a really interesting piece on. Um, this exact topic,
0: yeah,
1: um, journalism and uh, journalist outlets being owned by corporations and what that does, and there was one corporation in particular that was looked at and scrutinized in that piece. so um, really interesting topic. but it is it's important for us to keep fighting as a society for those corporate interests to not interfere with the journalism that their um, subsidiaries do.
0: Yeah. I think like we said at the top, like, it's that simple. Yeah. it's it, That part of it is not complicated, so I hope to see positive change on that front with larger editorial yeah, sure. teams and more corporate yeah. overlord companies and that sort of thing going forward. And
1: having respect for their journalists, especially because there are so many corporate entities who own fake journalist outlets who don't provide actual factual information right. and who are... You know, telling lies, and they don't censor that because it serves their interests. Right.
0: The other thing too, though, is I just thought of this, but like IGN is claiming that they're protecting all of their employees. All lives matter. That kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But what about like employees that IGN has of Palestine Palestinian descent mm-hmm. that are from Palestine? Like those people aren't supported. You know what I mean? In the same right. way, like they work for the company, just as. Everyone else does just as IGN Israel based people do you know what I mean? It's like it, it, we could go on and on and on about this, right. but it's just, it's baffling.
1: Right. Well, and the, the the thing that I don't like about that argument also, if we're going back to that, is...
0: Sorry, I just, like, that popped into my head as no, you were talking, yeah, and I was
1: thinking... A, there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack in this conversation, so it might not always be linear. I mean, I think it's hard to have a linear conversation about this, but sure. um, another thing about that, so we have to support all of our employees. How does sending humanitarian aid to people who are need wounded it. and need medical supplies and right. food and water, how does that hurt the employees of a corporation in a completely different location than what's happening. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. Um, <laughs> and it's just... Yeah. There's just a lot of higher interests and higher powers at play than just people voicing their support for an issue.
0: For sure. Well, with that said, do you have anything else you want to add on to the Palestine discussion?
1: Um, I
0: For right now?
1: I just think it's important for people to keep an open mind and remember that everybody who is involved on both sides um, they're all just people trying to live their lives and trying to um, do what they feel um, they're just they're, most of them are just people who are trying to survive um, and who are getting caught up in this very political conflict um, and a lot of them, like a lot of the people who were injured in the bombings or killed mm-hmm. in the bombings, and I know that this you know there are people who have said that they were militants or whatever, but there there were children who were killed, and there are Palestinian children who were killed. There are innocent people who are just trying to go about their lives and getting swept up in all of this, and there is nothing wrong with having compassion for people who have been killed in a conflict.
0: Absolutely, um, and I would just add to that, like. As a citizen, like stay informed, read what you can, read yeah. all perspectives, um, consider supporting if you're able to, yeah. with and, these humanitarian and think, efforts, and um, think
1: critically about where the sources you're reading are coming from, and yeah. who's in control of what words get printed, because a lot. That's of more times, what I mean.
0: Just like look at the hu- whole situation, like you were saying on that macro yeah. level, in addition to yeah. those micro.
1: A, elements a, a lot of times what is presented in the mainstream in the united states is very pro-israel um because anything that's not very pro-israel gets shut down or um faces a lot of backlash so you just got to think critically about um what you're reading as well and and the biases that may be at play because this is an issue where everyone who says something has some sort of bias for sure yeah and well every said. every action is connected to other yeah actors so it's Nothing is in a vacuum in this in this conflict.
0: Absolutely. Well, listeners, thank you for allowing us the space to yes. discuss that. Um, and obviously, feel free to reach out with your thoughts on the situation and what's been going on. Because like we said, we could keep discussing this. For the whole episode right. there is a lot to unpack so yeah but i you think for the sake of today's conversation we're going to move on to our title track main topic for the week we have a bit of a video game review roundup because mm-hmm. there's been a bunch of different games that came out over the past few weeks that claire and i have been playing and you kind of took a break while you were having your concussion recovery right. and then you jump back into so i want to talk about a couple games um Starting off with Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which has been highly anticipated by both of us. You had never played any of the Mass Effect games. Right. We're both still working our way through Mass Effect 1. So I'm kind of viewing this as a very much a review in progress. I want to get your early thoughts. I want to talk a little bit about the um, enhancements and things that I'm noticing as a returning right. fan. Um, but down the road once you have completed the whole trilogy i want to do a big epic yeah spoiler cast multi-hour discussion (laughs) special guests i have a bunch of plans in that regard so that's
1: gonna be fun don't
0: do not fret listeners this is not our final mass effect discussion but we've been playing it so i wanted to talk a little bit about what we've played so far and what you're thinking so absolutely you're Totally new to the series. Yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. Obviously, you had some high expectations going in because I think, like myself and the games industry, have set that like this is one of the greats, right? Um, in terms of storytelling, in terms of world building, in terms of like choice in games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what were your early thoughts based on what you've played?
1: I am really intrigued by what I've seen so far, um, and I am looking forward to really diving into this game and giving it a lot of attention and i want to i want to try to really play the games um not in a super broken up way Mm -hmm. once i start them i want to have that kind of be my focus when i play video games for a while Um, so I'm kind of, like, really waiting to jump in until I know I'm going to have more time. And luckily, the school year is almost over, so once the school year's over, I know I'm going to have more time to play video games. The other factor is I want to play it with you. Yeah. um, Because you want to be there to see my, you know, initial reactions to the game playing as the first time. I want to (laughs) see, like...
0: obviously I'm not going to be able to watch you play the whole thing just because, mm-hmm. like, work schedules never line up that way. But, like... But
1: definitely the first... I'd love
0: to see, like, what bit key choices you make in certain moments and, like, yeah. who you're bringing on your missions and your squad and who are you taking the time to get to know more and those loyalty missions and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to at least play, like, the first, I don't know, 10 or 20 hours together Yeah. Um, of the first game. Yeah. And then check in here and I think at this point we're
0: both, like... Fourish yeah hours or so in
1: yeah we played so like the
0: opening section i got off the citadel and started doing some of the you know main missions after that
1: yeah i haven't gotten quite that far yet. okay
0: so you're a little okay just to give context for where we're at in terms of like the world and the characters what do you think so far
1: i'm really intrigued by the characters um and like the the different species of humanoid characters and the dynamics at play i'm i'm just really intrigued to continue diving in and and explore the the world building yeah the aliens. so many cool aliens so many cool aliens um and i just right from the very beginning the world building is set up in a way where you just i want to know more about this world i want to know more about these characters and what the situation is that's Mm -hmm. influencing all these different because like people will clearly have i think the the writing so far is set up in a really interesting way where you can tell that all the characters have their own opinions and their biases and their lived experiences, but they're not saying what they are, but you can tell that they're there. And I think a lot of times, um, shallower sci-fi experiences... Well, they'll either have the characters say exactly like, well, I don't like that alien species because when I was a child, they destroyed my home. And so now I don't like them. And that's that character's whole personality. Right. Or like, this character is this kind of alien species. And that means they love violence. I don't know. There's yeah. like a lot of... Like, All the
0: characters are really fully realized yeah, that's in what I'm interesting sensing, ways. So. And I especially love how just deep the lore is mm-hmm. you know like some sci-fi worlds are like generic sci-fi really shallow yeah. yeah here's the alien species but like mass effect is one of the few series where i wanted to go into all the codex entries mm-hmm. and like read about the backstories of the different planets i was going to the different yeah. alien species
1: Plus some good lore. <laughs> um
0: as you get to know each of your squad members you can learn more about their backstories mm-hmm. and find out, like, what makes them tick in really interesting ways, and just everything is so fleshed out in a sense that, like, I definitely put the story of Mass Effect, like, up there with Star Wars, if not even better, in my opinion, because everything is just so fully realized, and they've really taken the time to, yeah, make it interesting and make it really compelling to go through and find... All that extra information. And it's one of those games that's like... I think it's more rewarding the more you play. Because you see... Right. And especially... I think most people feel this way. But the jump from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2. And just seeing how your choices in the first game... Influence the second game. And how the relationships you both with those characters influence the second game and you'll get entirely unique storylines based on ways you play Mm -hmm. and i don't mean like other people can get the same storylines if they make the same choices as you but like but
1: you don't see that storyline if you make right but i'm
0: saying like within your playthrough it's a unique experience where like depending on you if you had a conversation with say garris in the first game that influences what will happen regarding his character arc in the second game or right. if you take a random side mission with a guy that character might pop up in later games and be able to help you because you helped them right in Mass Effect 1 but if you totally blew them off and like didn't even do anything with them that option will be closed off to you and I
1: yeah I just can't wait to it's experience just such
0: <laughs> there's such complex systems and I remember at the time it was just so novel and even now like there have been games like the Telltale series and different games that have implemented choice into games, but there still hasn't been anything like Mass Effect on the grand scale of right. the choice mechanics and things like that. So, yeah, it's one of the all-time greats, and I'm really enjoying getting to see you go through it.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Even just
0: the early moments, because you, you get goosebumps, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're setting foot on the Normandy for the first time um you're at the citadel council meetings and things like that like the early moments hit and Mm -hmm. i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the enhancements that have been added um originally this is like someone's gonna pull my gamer card from the internet but i never completed mass effect one back in the day and the reason was because i didn't have an hd tv at the time when i was playing it Mm -hmm. and on a standard CRT it was so hard to read the text um and so I fell off of it when I was playing it and then we had an HDTV by the time Mass Effect 2 came out and I just jumped into that one because I had a PlayStation at the time Mm -hmm. and Mass Effect 2 came out to PS3 later after launch but it didn't come the first one didn't come until like, a year or two later when they right. put a collection all together. So I just played Mass Effect 2. And so Mass Effect 2 was always my favorite because that was, like, my main introduction into right. the series. And so I played a good, like, I would say 10 hours of Mass Effect 1 um, without having... A, I really struggled to read the subtitles mm-hmm. and things, like I said. So it was kind of a marred experience for me. But I really enjoyed it. So it's been awesome to go back, play it in full 4K hdr i can read all the text read the subtitles. <laughs> um playing with headphones so i'm getting this really immersive sound experience yeah. and um it's just been awesome in terms of graphics the game looks incredible i think it totally holds up visually and the enhancements they've made are like out of this world it's right. awesome um there
1: is that issue with the sound though Speaking yeah of on ps5
0: at least i've been reading that other people had this issue too but um the surround sound was like not mixed properly in the er- first update so there's like some sound like for example footsteps and like ancillary dialogue while you're playing that's like incredibly quiet and mm-hmm. very hard to hear but then gunfire is super it's super so loud. loud and I found when I play with headphones that doesn't happen so I've been tending to play with headphones and I haven't played it the last like week or two so this could have been patched out mm-hmm. and I'm sure it would be because the developer was aware of it but hopefully the, the surround sound is adjusted because the music and the sound of this game hits on every mm-hmm. level, and I would love to experience it with a more, like, premium sound system experience right. with our soundbar and subwoofer and whatnot. Like, I think it'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, combat also feels really sharp, and I feel like there definitely have been some smooth enhancements made. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel incredibly different, but it feels like what i remember it being so that means like rose-colored glasses it definitely feels better than it did and specifically everyone's biggest gripe in the original mass effect was the mako which is the little uh, like on land um vehicle Mm. that you pilot as you're exploring the planets the controls in the first in the original game oh man it was so rough (laughs) This one, still a little janky, but significantly better. That's nice. So, there's that.
1: Yeah. Really wish they would have done that treatment to the swimming mechanics in Super Mario Galaxy, but here we are.
0: Lol. Um, (laughs) Speaking of remakes, but, like, yeah, I do feel like, on that note, this was a very intentional and very, like, Mm -hmm. well-done remaster, and I would say if you've never played the Mass Effect games, this is definitely, like, the definitive way Mm -hmm. to experience them, so... I'm excited to keep going through, Um, and I think the storytelling, as Claire was saying, it still holds up. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still some of the best writing in video games, and I I don't think any game has come close in terms of world building on this scale. You know, we always talk about The Last of Us, but, like, The Last of Us is such an intimate story in comparison to this sci-fi epic, right? and I think it's incredible.
1: I mean, I'm a huge fan of world building. I love getting into the, you know, world building in Skyrim. I read all the books mm-hmm. <laughs> that you find throughout the game just to, and I just love it when you can do that, when you can dive really deep into a game. Totally. And um, just like learn so much about the world through the like little, little notes you find in Last of Us or the books you find in Skyrim or the, you know, codex updates. And Mass Effect or the like your little PDA tidbits in Subnautica, which we're gonna talk about right. too. So yeah, totally. I just love reading about what you find in the world. And like in Hades too, you learn more about the other characters. You get the little little book filled out. I just love that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: it's great. And it it enhances enhances the experience yeah, for it does. sure. All right. Well, like I said, we're definitely gonna talk more Mass Effect once you've completed all the games. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, special guest, spoiler cast, review coming yes. down the line. I'd say probably. Yes. Let's tentatively say, like by the end of the summer, mm-hmm. I want to give you some time to really summer's sink your good, teeth into these games yeah. and experience the side quests and like really get deep into yeah. it. So
1: I think that's a good goal because I'm going to have more time over the summer, yeah. and I'm going to have much less time after the summer's over. So I should right. try to try to get there. So by look the for that the maybe summer.
0: in. It's like September, but we'll keep yeah. you updated on our progress as we're for going sure. through it. Okay, awesome.
1: Speaking of diving deep, Ooh. that would have been a really good segue if I'd actually said it. when... Segue? <laughs>
0: well, no, you're that. No, it was a good segue. We we're yeah. talking about. Okay, um, we're talking about Subnautica below yes. zero. Yes. One of your most anticipated games of I can't, the year.
1: I can't believe how hyped I was for this game.
0: <laughs> so, talk to me about how you've been enjoying it because. Within like a week and a half, you played like over twenty hours of this game when it first came out.
1: Yeah, I something
0: f- like that or more.
1: Well, what with my concussion and all, I haven't played as much as I would have liked. Well, because it still came out before like your concussion, hours. so you played yeah. a
0: lot though that initial week. Yeah. you had the game,
1: and then I had to take a break, and right. I played a little bit more, and then things got crazy. Um, Busy, with, with and, school. right? Yeah. So, so, talk to me. How's weeks. it
0: going so far?
1: I am. What do you think of it? Absolutely in love with this game. Like, I really loved the first Subnautica, and it made in my, like, top ten favorite games of all time list, mm-hmm. for sure. But this sequel has just pushed it, like, way over the edge. Like, it has enhanced so much my experience of the first game, um, and I think they've built on what they established in the first game in yeah. such an interesting way. And I also, I'm having, I think, more of a good time with this game because I understood the mechanics going in whereas when I was playing the first game it like took me a moment to realize what resources were most important to collect and what upgrades I should get first and what they all did and what the goal is that I'm working towards and that when I you know when my PDA says you should go check out this thing here's a signal I should you know actually do that and not just explore and you know. Stumble right. upon it later, and it's like, no, that she, she's telling you to go there because there's important things that you will find that will help you on her journey.
0: <laughs> I want to jump and, back to a, an earlier comment you made, yeah. n- r- not to cut you off, but you used the word sequel. So is this a full sequel or is it more of a dlc like what size of game are we talking about here in comparison to the first game
1: yeah so i haven't played the whole thing so right. i can't say definitively and also i would say that my play time for the first game was elongated because of what i was just saying of like i was just kind of
0: you were figuring fumbling out around the game,
1: i wasn't sure what learning was important the systems
0: but yeah. i think that's kind of how this type of game wants you to play yeah. it like it wants you to explore until you understand how to play it
1: but this i also had to do like a lot of looking this stuff up online because there sure. was quite sure and reading like tips and stuff like there were some things like minor game spoilers but um, in the first game your ship crashes onto the planet Mm -hmm. um four five four six b i think um (laughs) and i (laughs) i didn't know you could go back to the ship and like forage for items and there are some things on that ship that you can't keep playing the game without and I was just like, I don't know how to get X, Y, or Z upgrades because I can't find it anywhere in the environment. And I was like, Oh, online it says I have to go to the ship, and that's one of the first things that you should do after you know the start of the game. And all here are all my upgrades. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: I definitely played the first game for like twenty-five or thirty hours, and I didn't know that either. So that's right. really funny.
1: Yeah. Um. And and so in this, I would call it a sequel, though. From what I've seen, I think that that it's very streamlined. I think there are more. Um. It just seems. Without any spoilers, there are more resources for you to find in that vein. There's a
0: lot of content. There is a lot lot of content.
1: And I yeah, I wouldn't call it DLC for sure. And I also I think what I really loved about the first game is at first it just seems like a survival game. Mm -hmm. But as you follow the prompts and you explore, you realize that there are there's a story there that you have to And it's one of my favorite, especially indie game mechanics, where something happened and you have to figure out what it was. Um, And you get more and more information and kind of put the pieces together about what happened. But you're not, like, interacting with anybody um, per se. You're just kind of exploring and finding information. And there are are a couple of somewhat intertwining storylines in the first game, Mm Um. And there, um, you don't necessarily need to discover them all in order to finish the game, but doing so like really enhances the experience. In the in the second game in Below Zero, it is so expanded upon that where like the story is really front and center. The character you're playing as actually talks nice um, to you, <laughs> um, the player, and like you hear her voice. Um, As in, like
0: narrates her little... thoughts, or like, yeah, here oh, and there, okay.
1: yeah. Um, in the in the first game, you you only ever heard your playable characters' sounds when he was like stabbed.
0: Yeah, or something. and he
1: went. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so the voices you heard were when the PDA talks to you, yeah, the robot computer voice, or when you enter your habitat or your ship, it says, "Welcome aboard, Captain." All systems on. And online. I
0: saw <laughs> a trailer for Below Zero, and there are NPCs in the game, right? Yep,
1: there are other characters. So how
0: does that play into the narrative and just like,
1: like I said, it's much expanded. Okay. Um. So there, there is... are you
0: regularly interacting with the NPCs though? I or like...
1: really don't want to say because it's spoilers.
0: I guess, like top level without getting into story specifics, like the first game feels very isolated it's, as a whole yes
1: it's this game is far less isolated, it feels far less isolated while still maintaining the sense of, systems like, survival of the first and yeah of okay. the first game where you are um relatively on your own, you have to find your resources, you have to explore places where people once were and no longer are and unravel clues to put together a mystery of what happened but at the start of this game you go in with a little bit more information so it's set on the same planet obviously um into in the future after the events of the first game and like it says in the trailers there the your main character goes to the planet because her sister was on the planet working for the corporation Altera, which is the corporation from the first game, and something happened to her. Mm-hmm. And you're and you're playing as her sister. You want to find out what happened to her and get some answers um, and figure out what happened in general. Right. So you're going around trying to figure out what happened to your sister, what happened to the people your sister was working with, and then there are um as far as i know right now two other storylines that um may or may not be inter or at least a little bit interrelated sure. and you're trying to figure out what happened there too in a similar way and um the one of these other storylines not related to not inherently related to the sister, is the one that i've really been focusing a lot of my time on and i can't be more specific than that okay? Um, because you haven't played the first game so I can't even tell you what the the basis of it is. And I want
0: to at some point. It's one that's like I started playing I really enjoyed it. Other stuff started to come out and then it kind of fell off my radar for a little bit. But I want to get back to it and I know how much you love it so I I want to be able to talk about it with you.
1: I absolutely adore the first game Um, and if you are a listener who has not played the first game it is so incredible and it is so special and th- the way that that story plays out and kind of resolves itself and what you learn in the end like it made me cry and yeah i just i felt all the feels and you feel feels in way that y- in ways that you don't think you should if it, you right. just presented the story on paper but the way you experience it is just really beautiful um, it's also and just like, like stunning. Like it's a really
0: pretty game if it you is, like to explore, gorgeous. like colorful, really unique environments. And
1: well, the the thing about the game, and I want to say this because when you start out the first game, you mm-hmm. start out in this the safe zone, this shallow reef, and there, it's beautiful. All these colors, it looks so tropical. There's all these weird ass looking fish swimming around <laughs> yeah. that you get to you know scan with your scanner and right. just look at them. And oh my god, it's so much fun. Um... But as you explore, there are so many different biomes in this underwater world that are all so unique and vibrant and absolutely stunning right. and I'm thinking about this first game about how you start off and maybe you're swimming around on the surface and you're looking down and you're like oh wait here's the reef and then here's this area where there seems to be like more of this like red color and then here's this area where it's it like really deep and how far can I go before I get by the sea emperors whatever um <laughs> right you you know find the border of the yeah, world yeah. and there's like, a little bit of on land but when you get those upgrades and you can dive deeper you see just how it's such a vertical world mm-hmm. like it gets so so deep like literally physically so deep and there is some there are just some astonishing and breathtaking biomes biomes and part of what makes it so interesting is your like oxygen limitations and the limitations of your gear and your ability to maneuver these environments um so it's it's thrilling because they're not just gorgeous but they're also dangerous at the same time that's
0: really cool how does the you you hinted at it a little bit earlier but how does the setting get changed up in the second game so, with this frozen area? Yeah. In the second game, areas, you're in like,
1: a different quadrant of the planet. that affect the
0: gameplay or are you, a like little bit. cold? Do you have to yes, heat things up? you are cold. Like, wh- how does that change things?
1: Um. So, in this second game, you are on... You're in a different quadrant of the planet. So, some of the flora and fauna is the same and a lot of it is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're... You know, they're familiar friends, and that's what I was saying about how in the first game you start off in the safe shallows, and it just feels like you get so used to playing in that biome that it feels really familiar, and so when you, in the, I'll just tell you what happens at the start of Below Zero, you crash land yeah. on a iceberg um, in your ship, and you are freezing because it is so inhospitably cold on the land in this game, so you have to just run as fast as you can and get in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, So you get in the water. When you dive in the water, it's like an Arctic version of the safe shallows from the first game. And I just, I remember diving and just thinking, I'm home. (laughs) Um, And there's a few differences in that um, area. And it's just like, wow, look at that. That's new. Look at that. Look at the Arctic peeper. It's slightly different than the regular peeper. And it's just... Um, it's really great. But then as you explore more, you see that there is a lot, uh, there, there are totally different creatures, totally different biomes. So it wasn't just like the same environments, but slightly to the left. There are a lot of new, completely new areas to explore. And I really, really love that. And I think, um, I really don't want to get into spoilers here, but I, um, if you played the first game and you're on the fence about the second game, they introduce some awesome mechanics here in this game. And cold is one of them. There is land in this game, and you have to survive um, the cold in various ways. Sure. Um, And there is, there are some new, um, how do you say, there are some new, there's new tech. You have new tech. Yeah. Um, You have new vehicles. Some of it's the same, some of it's new. Um, They added a couple options for your base, so you can do some new things with your base um, and new ways to get around. But some old favorites return. The prawn suit is still something you can get. and I think I can say that without spoilers, but I I freaking love that prawn suit. I Um, feel like
0: Subnautica... (laughs) I know, like, from a story perspective, there is a lot of lore happening, but I feel like gameplay moments aren't spoilers because when you get to them yourself, it's its own moment experiencing
1: it. I don't know. For me... I feel like with this game like I don't even want to see screenshots of you, people you getting further in the game it than I am organically.
0: because it, I respect that. it. takes my
1: breath away every time right. something new is added to the game and I really love well, it. Oh to
0: it. that sense of discovery that you're talking about yeah, too. Yeah,
1: definitely. Right on. I mean there are just so many beautiful moments and I think that there there t- there's a new creature and a new piece of tech that have inspired me to buy merch. Like I've never been inspired to buy merch before. I really want a stuffed pengling or a stuffed spy pengling and nice. I, keep, Is that a thing I keep that you can get um it doesn't look like it unless you make it yourself um but fingers crossed maybe other people will, will get it on the, one yeah to. and that's fun. increase the demand um and yeah there's this little you you get this little robot i can say you get it pretty early on in the game so i feel like it's not spoilers to say it um and when you use it, it it's like has this cute little boot up voice and i love it so much ah I want a plushie that I can press the button and it'll go reading and ready <laughs> and then plays a little like 80s synth music. Oh my god, I love it so much. Nice. So I love that mechanic, absolutely. And, I dig it. I dig it. Oh, and there's a lot of other really incredible things going on in this game. So absolutely, hands down. If you haven't played either of these games yet, do yourself a favor and do it. And if you've played the first game and you're on the fence about the second one, don't be the second one. Just improves on everything that was put out in the first game and, and the second game is also I can't only 30 enough. bucks yeah so
0: if you're you know it sounds despair. like this is a pretty content heavy yeah it's, game. it's so, quite
1: it's quite deep literally and figuratively right um on. and there are a lot of you know mechanics to entertain yourself with for many hours so definitely dive into subnautica below zero
0: yeah that's awesome
1: listeners please <laughs>
0: i um Join me. i want to check it out at some point yes after i finish up the should. first game um i i know you could talk more about this game but for the sake of time i want to move on to our next topic but i feel like this will probably come back up in discussion when we do our game of the year so far mm-hmm. discussion in the next few weeks um so do you have any it's last my like, quick thoughts <laughs> Do you have any last, like, quick thoughts about Subnautica so far?
1: Um, I think I've said all that I think is most important for cool. the letters, Yeah, no, year. it was a really
0: good deep dive. We keep saying <laughs> dive. I'm not, like, being intentional with these puns, but I they're am. fun. You are. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, um, I had one more game I wanted to talk about, and you played a little bit yeah. of this with me, but... I've watched I you have play about too. I have been playing a ton of Knockout City, which is this competitive 3v3 Dodgeball game from Valen Studios. It's mm-hmm. an EA original. Um, I can't tell you what a 180 I've done with this game from seeing the initial announcement, thinking it looked really generic, like, thinking it was like, oh, this is a Splatoon ripoff. They're trying to get like Rocket League type vibes. You that were kind of like thing.
1: not hyped for this game. I didn't game.
0: care about it at all. It came out, I saw a stream of it, I was like, this looks kind of fun. And they did this ingenious thing with their event called the Block Party, where you could play it for 10 days for free, and it's still on Game Pass, so if you have Game Pass, you can jump in on Xbox for free still, Mm -hmm. but for free, you could jump in and play the full game, you could level up, and then if you bought the full game, all your progress would carry over, but this game is so much fun. I think, I'm not going to say it's my game of the year, I I have other titles that I think are more in the running for that so far, but this is the most fun I've had in Mm -hmm. a video game this year, and... Like I said, I went from 0 to 60 with it. I didn't care, and now I absolutely love it. Um, the gameplay is so simple, but also so involved in a sense. Um, for those that haven't played it, you're playing 3 versus 3 dodgeball mm-hmm. on these different maps, and you're running around, and you have to juggle... Um, catching balls as they are thrown at you, and then also throwing balls at your opponents. Mm -hmm. There are different types of balls that have different kind of power-ups. There's the sniper ball that goes really quickly and can be thrown a great distance. There um, are bomb balls where explosions are happening. Like, it's Mm -hmm. very zany. It reminds me a lot of, you know, kind of a Mario Party or a Smash Bros Mm -hmm. or... A Splatoon, just in the general like fun vibe vibe, of the game. Um, You unlock different costumes and skins for your character as you're playing. And I think the game also does a really great thing with gender representation, where Mm -hmm. when you're creating your character, you're not asked to pick a gender for your Mm -hmm. character. You can just pick the hairstyle and the facial structure and the different body types. But I just think it's a really intentional way just to have a really welcoming inclusive character creation and it's not super deep but i respect that they didn't label you know the voice types or the body types as specific genders i just think that's really cool and i i saw other people talking about this online um and i was just like that is a really cool thing so things like that um
1: my one, my one addendum to that, because I think it's really, really cool too, Yeah. but I I would have liked to see a third body type that looked a little bit more how I look, because sure. they're both um, not particularly busty.
0: <laughs> sure. I think at the end of the day, like it is a cartoonish stylized no, game for sure. within that, but I just thought the fact that they didn't include the terms made it Absolutely, feel... and
1: I think that they can and do o- what I'm obviously saying without I speak... including terms too.
0: Sure, so. sure. And obviously I speak to that as like a cis white male, oh, straight right. white male, you know what I mean? So like, but I appreciated that and I've heard people in the LGT, LBGT community also speak about how they appreciate that as yeah. well. Um, they also added a bunch of cool it. player icons for pride month, which was cool to see. Yeah. And just, I appreciated those little gestures, which I thought were cool, Yeah, but like, just the gameplay alone is so much fun. I've played with friends and you. I've played with random people, and it still is fun every time. There's a lot of... They've really learned from other multiplayer games of this style. Of There's a button to click to indicate that you want your teammate to pass to you. If you're not, pl- you know, directly communicating with somebody, mm-hmm. like, in-game, you can click and your character will pass, pass to me. Yeah. Or I'm I'm ready. And there's also this other mechanic where you can turn yourself into a ball and you, the player, can be thrown.
1: Yeah, no, and that one's di- cool. <laughs>
0: and it, it sounds really... It's one of those things that I don't feel like until you play you fully understand, but the satisfying gameplay like parrying mechanic of you throw a ball but your enemy throws a ball at the same time and you catch the ball and then you throw it back but they catch the ball and they throw it back and you yeah. catch the ball and there's this volley going back and forth like it sounds really like that doesn't sound fun but like but in is. the <laughs> moment it's like imagine in call of duty if like if you dodged at a correct time you could dodge the bullets you could catch the bullets and then throw the bullets back like that's right. what it feels like and it's like a you know in a child appropriate setting of dodgeball but There's also, like, very little latency. Mm -hmm. I haven't run into a ton of technical difficulties other than, like, some long load times to get into matches, but, you know... And
1: difficulty loading into the game in the first place, I think, we both experienced. A couple
0: instances, but but I'm more talking about, like, I'm talking about, like, mid-game, you load into the match, and you're playing, and then all of a sudden, like, it lags, and you don't hit your opponent, like, it They were very. I heard them on a kind of funny stream, the developers of Valen Studios talk about this about how they were like, we have to make there be as little latency as possible playing this type of game because unlike a Call of Duty where the bullets go by fast over internet connections mm-hmm. the dodgeballs if you're throwing a great distance take a couple seconds so there's that chance for latency and things not quite to line up but it does in right. a really impressive way from a technical perspective considering this is a I think a 20 person studio yeah um, it's
1: very impressive and even and thinking feels... back
0: to like Fall Guys last yeah. summer like th- these indie studios that are making these multiplayer games are really getting the hang of how to do it it like major you know the call of duties the battlefields the destinies don't really ever have that smooth of launches but you know knockout city yeah killing game
1: i would also say something about this game that i really appreciate um as somebody who kind of has a hard time with like really competitive games like this where they can just feel overwhelming and not fun and like really frustrating if you lose a lot and are bad um which i tend to be is that this one it feels like attainable to do a good job and without you know too much you get better and better obviously but like as a newbie you can still you know nail a guy with a ball and there you know it's attainable but it's also just like it's really fun it's easy to get a hang of um at the, like early and at, yeah. at a base enough level where you can actually play the game and but succeed.
0: then there's also some complexity to it, no, which makes sure. it interesting to keep playing. And yeah. to build on your point that it's, it's like fun, learning to play
1: Melodica. <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> Full. It, it's fun even like you were saying, it's fun even when you're not playing exceptionally well because um each player has essentially two lives or two hit points. Yeah. Um as you're running around and then you respawn. And most of the modes are get to 5 points or get to 10 right. knockouts and there's a lot of like you can assist each other and so if you like are tactical about it you and your teammate you can distract a guy and you can like pump fake the ball and pretend like you're throwing the ball while the other player is behind the character mm-hmm. and then you get him Yeah. get them from behind and and like that the the coordination and whatnot is something I totally didn't expect in this game. Yeah, and for like sure. there's just way more thought and way more complexity to this dodgeball game than I initially thought. And
1: yeah. you can actually like strategize yeah. and stuff
0: and um, play to your own So strikes. after the block party, the ten day trial was over, I ended up buying the full game because mm-hmm. I wanted to keep playing and all my progress carried over. And I also want to give hats off to Valen Studios for enabling both cross play and cross progression. Yeah. So, you and I were playing, I was playing on PS5, you were playing on your Switch Lite, I have it downloaded on Xbox, and all my progress is also on Xbox to play with friends there. Right. I have friends that are playing it on PC that we can just hop into a game together, and unlike... You know, some games that make crossplay rather complicated to do, this was very simple. Mm-hmm. You just search the username and yeah, add really the username. Easy. You can create crews so you have like your little squad where it's really easy to invite each other to a game. Um, you can do custom lobbies, so if we had enough people, we could fill out an entire lobby with all mm-hmm. of our friends very easily. They, I think they just were very apparent that they learned from the mistakes of previous developers, and yeah. even recent stuff like Fall Guys not having custom lobbies at launch and still not having custom lobbies, I believe, on console. Like, this studio launched with full crossplay, full cross-progression, you know, custom lobbies, every feature mm-hmm. that you would want in a game like this, they yeah. took the time and made sure they had it at launch and that it worked properly, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that they did, they did a really good job. Yeah. Um. So what do you think about continuing to keep playing this game? That's
0: the, the thing. I have continued to keep playing because I've been in kind of a gaming slump lately where I've been working really late Night shifts, yeah. Where I don't get home until about ten thirty or eleven o'clock, and
1: then you're too tired. And at you. that <laughs> point, I'm
0: just like, I don't have the energy to play Mass Effect yeah. right now. That just sounds too much. And so I throw on a podcast and I play Knockout City. Yeah, and that's just been like totally hitting the spot lately. um My only thing is there aren't a ton of maps. Right. All the maps that are there are really fun and different, but I hope to see more maps added. And then I also hope to see a little more incentive to do that level grinding and to unlock new items because yeah. they have like daily items similar to Fortnite that you can unlock and there are microtransactions if you want to buy outfits and things, but there's just really not a ton to get right and a ton like once you find like I unlocked an outfit pretty early on that has like a cool pink leather jacket and I got sunglasses and I look mm-hmm. badass. Like I like my guy. I don't really need to change my guy unless yeah. I have a ton of incentive to do so. Right. Um, I think about how, like, Fortnite does a pretty brilliant job with tying in licenses and things like that, where it's like, oh, shoot, they added Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, they added Kratos, they added John Wick, like, they add all these characters, and obviously this is an indie game um, with a smaller budget, so I think getting those, but I mean, like, Fall Guys has gotten some pretty large-scale licenses, granted, they were just purchased by Epic, so I think they're gonna have a lot easier of a time doing that kind of thing, um, but you know, I hope to see Valenceuse and it doesn't necessarily have to be licensed stuff. I would just like to see more unlockables. Yeah. So we have sure. that incentive to keep playing outside of, oh, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, because there's kind no of like a,
1: a rocket league thing. Yeah.
0: And there's no level cap. So like you can just keep earning XP, which I like, cause yeah. I feel like it's going somewhere, but I don't really have that carrot at the end of the stick of like, oh, I want to keep leveling up so I yeah. can unlock this specific skin or this specific item. Yeah. Does this um, game have
1: seasons? Is they're gonna have that's seasons? the thing.
0: I think so, based on what I've heard. And they have, you know, plans mm-hmm. for more content, obviously, to keep this going and to keep it updated. So I think only time will tell. I'm going to definitely keep playing it, you know, every couple days or once a yeah. week just because I enjoy it and I have a group of people that is also still
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the mood for that. And it's just... It's nice to play a fun, competitive game that doesn't feel as intense as a Call of Duty or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a shooter, but it still gets that competitive, like, edge of, like, oh, I want to do well. I want to be the MVP in this round. Oh, I want to time out my combos and get the special balls and things like that. Right. So, I'm still playing it just for the pure gameplay loop of it, but we'll see... It's been a couple weeks now, and I'm still wanting to play more, which I find interesting because I kind of thought I was going to fall off of it, but right. still playing, so I'll keep listeners posted, but right how about for you?
1: Um, I think this is a fun one for me to play like with you, so anytime you're like, you want to hop on and play a game, I'll definitely jump in. And they're in. quick, too, yeah. so it's a
0: nice... like
1: Kind of like how I am with Fortnite, where I don't really feel incentivized to play it by myself, but I have fun when we play it together. That's probably how it's going to stay.
0: It's another one that I'm adding to the rotation with my dad. Yeah. Because super easy to play crossplay with him on PS4 and it's not too stressful and it's fun and it's colorful and I think he'll enjoy running around playing with with us, you know what I mean? It's another fun one to add to the rotation.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Right on, right on. Well, that concludes our review roundup of all these games we've been playing. We have more stuff to talk about in the coming weeks because... E3 games that we're playing, um, Ratchet and Clank's coming up. We got some big stuff coming up that we want to cover on the show. So super excited about that. Mm -hmm. Shall we head into questions with Claire?
1: Let's do it. So this week's question comes from our Patreon supporter, Penny Lewis.
0: Thanks, Mom.
1: (laughs) Who is your most loved or most hated video game villain?
0: Intriguing question. Intriguing question. I want to... Let's have an answer for most hated and most loved. Okay. Just to have both perspective you know what I mean? Okay. I think mine would be I'm gonna say the name of the game, but not who the villain is, because it's a kind of a spoiler of who the reveal of who this villain is. Mm-hmm. Um one of my favorites recently was Marvel Spider-Man in twenty eighteen. And the way they reveal the villain and work up to who the vil- main villain of the game is is very interesting because mm-hmm. you think it's one person. It ends up not being that person. Mm-hmm. And they play with your expectations. And then it builds up for what will be the conflict in future games in a really interesting way.
1: Right so on. that's my
0: favorite. My most hated is Thomas Magruder from <laughs> Gun, back on the original Xbox. It's a Western game, pre-Red Dead redemption my dad and i loved this game super fun it's a very linear game but there's some little open world sections where you can run around on your horse Mm -hmm. and it's just super cool but the last boss where you're fighting this he's the big bad of the whole game like Mm -hmm. he's hurt everybody's lives he's killed people you love you hate him by the end and you have to fight him in this cave and he's wearing this like the equivalent of a 1800s bulletproof vest like a piece of knight's armor on his chest Mm -hmm. so you can't like kill him easily and we never beat it and i was a young kid when we were playing in this so like i could probably go back and beat it now but i remember like a couple years ago i was like hey dad do you want to watch the youtube ending to this game because we never saw it and so we watched it and it was very anticlimactic you killed the guy and then you left and rode off on your horse and i was like man what a game but we spent (laughs) I think we we went back to that game for years just yeah. trying to beat that last save file and so he is my most hated because he was the white whale you know the yeah. one that got away that I never yeah conquered you
1: could also say your most hated villain is that glitch you encountered five seconds before the last the end of the last boss fight in rise son of Rome that made you say you couldn't finish oh the my game. <laughs> god
0: that was infuriating too. Mm. it was hilarious too because a lot of people didn't like that game but I enjoyed it I thought it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Like it was very repetitive, but like I enjoyed myself. And that glitch just like made it so I couldn't beat the game. Yeah. And apparently, according to the internet and Reddit, very rare glitch I encountered. Most people did not get that glitch, but I literally deleted the game and my and stuff like off the hard drive, reinstalled it, tried yeah. to do it again. That's a good pull. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that mm-hmm. glitch.
1: So for your so your for your most hated, you're saying you hated that villain because they were so hard to beat that it that was just, like, not fun anymore.
0: I also hated him, like, that was the, Thomas Magruder was the bane of everyone's existence in the world of Gun to the point where I felt for those characters, and despite the fact that it wasn't a very, like, cinematic game, Mm -hmm. at the time it was, but...
1: So he was a well-written villain, too. Yeah,
0: I think he was a well-written villain because I, we really hated him. Me and my dad really wanted to kill him, and we had that motivation, which I don't always feel for right. games other than like I want to defeat this guy so I could beat the game but like yeah. I legitimately was like no I need to revenge reven- my family and my friends that were hurt by yeah. this man for sure that kind of thing so it was compelling gotcha compelling storytelling
1: yeah. so I think for my most hated villain this one's kind of a cop-out um but it's in the same vein of like you really hate this villain because of how much pain that they've caused but it's like good storytelling um not really a villain uh, not not a person, but just, like, hubris
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in Subnautica. Both games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Just
1: hubris. Fuck you, hubris.
0: <laughs> it's a very general... I like it, though. It's good. Okay.
1: Yeah, my fellow Subnautica fans know what I'm talking about, though. Hubris is the They're real villain of that game.
0: <laughs> what do you call yourselves? The subs?
1: The subbies. The subbies. The subnauts.
0: Subnauts. I like <laughs> subnauts.
1: <laughs> That's fun. Um, and then I would say my most loved villain has got to be Abby from The Last of Us Part 2.
0: Interesting to call her a villain. Yeah. Interesting because is she the villain? Is she the villain? Or Or is is she the villain? The protagonist?
1: Is the villain our own humanity? Damn. (laughs) But like set up as the as the antagonist you know what I mean? Right. Initial start of the game and then what happens later happens later folks.
0: light spoilers there (laughs) for Last of Us Part 2 but not really at this point I feel like if you if you didn't know you play as Abby at some point in the game, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. But.
1: I also didn't say that. You said that, so. Well, I
0: said light spoilers, so, I mean, I, right. I gave a warning you gave a before warning. I said okay. that.
1: I'm just saying it wasn't light spoilers, like, retroactively to what I said. What I said was, like, fine for anyone who hasn't ever played the game <laughs> yes, before. Yes, yes.
0: I mean, um, I think my thing is fine. Like, a lot of shit was leaked before the yeah, release, you know what I mean? Sure. So, like, I I, th- I still think it's yeah. meaningful even if you did.
1: Definitely. Definitely. If we're talking about Last of Us, I can also say my most hated villain from Last of Us has gotta be those freaking, whatever they were called, I don't remember, but they were really hard to kill. Those, like, big fuckers. The... You're talking
0: about, like, the rat boss in the hospital?
1: Yeah. Fuck that guy.
0: <laughs> my dad's still stuck fun. on that boss. I no, got him the game for cool. Christmas and he's still stuck on it. But yeah. we're visiting next week, so I'm gonna help him finally so he can see the end of that game, because he yeah, still has not sure.
1: Ooh, it would have been good to pull some characters from Hades too. Anyway, we can have this discussion. There's forever. a lot of good characters. <laughs> There's so many good characters in Hades. <laughs> all right, well, thanks
0: for the question, Mom. Great question. Um, all right, well, Claire, thank you so much for joining this week as always. It was a pleasure. I and listeners as are very glad to have you back and in good moving health. and grooving and yes. feeling good.
1: For sure. Me too. Thanks, everybody.
0: We love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Some quick housekeeping. Please subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice. We are now officially on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. If you enjoy our podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lukewarmgames for exclusive podcasts and more. You can follow at Games on Twitter to get the latest updates on the show. And with that, have a fantastic week. Cheers and happy gaming.